Hey, Adam. Yeah. Are you ready to go back in time? I am. Are you ready for a blast from the past? Where are we going? We're going more than 20, I can't believe this, more than 20 years into the past. We've never done this on the 1959? podcast. 1959? No, 20 years. But, okay, let's, let's, math is important, buddy. Okay. 2023, we're going back to the year 2002. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was a rascal. A uh, rascal. For sure. That's an old-fashioned name, so let's go back to an old-fashioned year. All right. You know, I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear Podcast. Music advice coming at you. An open studio podcast. Peter, you're not even flinching anymore. I'm trying to throw you off with the, you know. <laughs> well, I'm starting hey to get there. used to it now. I'm starting yeah, yeah, to get used yeah. to it. So it's a very special episode today because we're going to go back. Yeah, and, this is great. And unearth um, something from the archives. Uh, do you remember Marion McPartland's Piano Jazz? I One. think like probably a lot of our listeners who are especially our age and, yeah. and around our age or older. This was a seminal show before there was podcasts, really. Yes. This was just a radio show on NPR. Is that right? That's right. Right. Yeah. Coming out of the South Carolina affiliate, I think, for some reason, but it recorded in New York City. But she was an amazing interviewer. Incredible. Incredible. I mean, she's the OG jazz podcast. I mean, we, doing what we're doing here with our little two, our little humble two keyboard setup. Yeah. She had pianos. Two pianos. Yeah. In studio. She was amazing. Mary McPartland. And I think everybody's familiar with Wonderful her. Wonderful player as well. Amazing player. Yeah. Uh, but I had the honor to appear on piano jazz i grew up listening to this um i remember kenny kirkland in i believe it was 1987 or 1986 being on the show um you know herbie hancock i mean everybody was on there it wasn't Evans, just pianists but like, yeah yeah she had everybody so when she asked me to be on it in 2002 i was just i was honored and just nervous i mean i was pretty young then still, I think, oh, semi-young, you know, youngish. But I mean, I definitely knew Young like, enough. I, I, it, it was very hard to th not think about all of the great folks. I mean, she had Roy Hargrove. She had a lot of like non-pianists yeah. or, or piano adjacent uh, jazz musicians. And um, anyway, so we have the audio here and um, that's going to be the episode today. So we're going back to 2002. Enjoy Mary McPartland's Piano Jazz featuring Peter Martin hey, as guest. Hey. Piano Jazz is made possible by the National Endowment for the Arts, the Baldwin Piano Company, the Friends of Piano Jazz, and NPR. Hi, I'm Marion McPartland. My guest today on Piano Jazz is Peter Martin, a young pianist and composer from New Orleans who plays with great daring and excitement. His elegant touch and clear and distinctive solos complete the picture of a young musician on the rise. Peter, how are you? I'm well. Are you on the rise? I hope so. I, hope I really so. think you are. It's so much has happened for you since I met you all those years ago at Thelonious Monk mm -hmm. competition. I, I was looking that up. Was it 1993? I guess it was, 93. I mean, it's quite a while 1993. ago. You must have... <laughs> done all kinds of different things during the past seven or eight years. Right. I, I have. I've done a lot of things, and I, I guess I feel like I am arrived somewhat now that I'm here sitting with you about to uh, create some music and, and speak about it. So this is a pleasure for me. Well, it's a pleasure for me, and it's what we're doing. We're going to create some music and speak about it. And, and uh, right now, I'd like to have you create some. So what, what do you think about starting out with 
Well, so, uh, Embraceable You has been on my mind a lot lately, so I'd like to play that. Has it? It has. Well, <laughs> I think that's a good choice for an opening tune because it's not only a, a great tune, but people love it, and I'm going to hear a totally new version of it done by you. All right. Okay.
you know, I love that tune, Peter, but what I liked about your version was hearing it in another key. I think I think the original key is F, and um, I don't know, it sounds so much warmer or something in E-flat. Yes, I think it does. Um, in, in playing it with uh, different vocalists, like I, I did it with Betty Carter and Diane Reeves, I think they both did it in E-flat. I, I got used to hearing the lyric in that key, and it had a certain resonance to me, and it always seemed to make sense at that particular place. Well, I can see how it would, and and a lot of times I'll be playing a tune, and I'll get tired of it, and I'll move it up into a different key, and it get, gives it a fresh feeling or something. I don't know. I have all these little idiosyncrasies that um, you probably do too. Yeah, I mean, that's, I've, I've found that too. It's, it's, a, it's like a revelation sometimes going into a, it has a different sonority, of course, and a different vibration to the instrument, um, you know, playing in different keys, you know, ju just as much as using different voicings and different melodic patterns. Yeah, and you have to move your fingers in a different place when you're in another key. Absolutely. You know, you sort of... Uh, well, I was thinking about how I, how I met you, and I'm wondering, after that Thelonious Monk Festival, like, where did you go after that? Well, right after that, uh, that period, I started working with Roy Hargrove. And um, I was still living... What a gem he is. Oh, oh absolutely. Isn't he wonderful? Oh, he's incredible. I mean, that's... That's someone I really learned a lot from, even though we're exactly the same age. You know, I almost feel like he, he was a mentor to me, um, being able to play in his band. There was wonderful musicians. And I was still living in New Orleans, but I was traveling a lot with them. And that was really the perfect situation. It was very inspiring to be playing, you know, with my peers, you know, playing something exciting musically every night. But so then you went somewhere, uh, I read where you went to Juilliard for a couple of years. Was that after the Thelonious Monk thing or before? No, that was before, right, right when, I, um, when I graduated high school. Oh. Um, I came up to New York and went to Juilliard. I was, I was there for three semesters. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I was sort of having illusions or delusions of being a classical pianist, concert pianist at the time. But I really wanted to play jazz, but I, I grew up in St. Louis, and we didn't, we didn't, um, there wasn't a vibrant jazz scene when I was coming up well, outside father, of on the radio. And wasn't your father a uh, classical violinist? Right, right. Both my parents, actually. My, my father's a violist. He still plays in the St. Louis Symphony. And my mom is a, uh, a violinist. Terrific. And, um, and my, my father also plays piano and organ and a number of things. But, um, but how did he feel when you turned to jazz? Well, he's he's very laid back. I mean, he, he was he. I think he was. Both my parents were very supportive. I mean, my 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 dad's always been a a big jazz fan, and he he was the one who first played me Art Tatum records, and he had a John Coltrane record. He had a real small but thorough collection. Oh, that's wonderful. And he had this great box set of LPs, the Smithsonian Classic Jazz Collection, oh, which was goodness. like the lineage all the way from the beginnings of the you know. Jelly Roll Morton and, and, and different New Orleans, original New Orleans music all the way up until whenever it was made, like the early 70s. Oh, that's terrific because yeah. it gives you all those sort of reference points. I sometimes think that musicians who have started with Coltrane and haven't heard back in the days of Jelly Roll and those people that they're missing out on something in their own playing because they don't have that reference right. to, even if you don't play something like Jelly Roll, you still, you know what... 
what he did. Right, right. You know that it existed and where it, from whence it came. Right, you know. from whence it came. Right. <laughs> and by the way, uh, you turned into a composer too. You've got some things of your own, haven't you? Right, yeah. Well, I, I love writing music. I love to compose, and I've always done a little bit of that and um, started to do more and more over the years. Well, do one. Okay, I'll I'd love do to one. hear what's okay. this. All right, what's this one? Uh, I'm, I'm going to play La Pregunta. Now that's is, off your record, isn't it? Right, exactly. And it's it's something that's loosely based upon the poetry of Pablo Neruda, which I was reading. He's a, a wonderful Chilean poet, and I was reading a lot of his work when I was writing uh, the music for this record. And so I ended up taking borrowing one of his titles. It's funny how you can get inspiration from something like that, from a you know something really musically great will come out of some words that you read that went into your head. So I can't wait to hear this one. All right.
Boy, that's really an impressive piece of music. How long did it take you to write that? Well, I, I wrote it pretty, uh, as, I re- as I recall, pretty much in a few hours, but I had been playing around with the idea of it for a while, like the, the, the one line. The... I had been messing with that, but then when I decided to turn that into a tune, I just, it just came real quick. Well, what's actually the main melodic part of that? I mean, can you, like, one, give me a one-finger version of... Well, when the melody comes in, it's... Which is on top of... And then the melody. But I always wow, had in mind clever. to have... A yeah, well, I always had in mind to have a horn playing it on top of it. So in this scenario, which is the first time for me to play solo, I have to try to, I can't quite play everything that I'm really hearing at the same time. It sounded like you were, <laughs> my goodness, but that's brilliant. Anyway, there's more to come with Peter Martin. Our program is made possible in part by a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm Marion McPartland, and this is Piano Jazz from NPR. There's something in the back of my head that that we should be um, we should be playing something. All right, you know, It'll be a pleasure. And um, uh, I don't know. I would love to to do a Sonny Rollins tune. I'm I, sure you're familiar with a bunch of those. I, I know some, and I, I love Sonny. I mean, I remember when I when he came to St. Louis when I was in high school. We we got so few jazz concerts that everyone was a big event. I mean, we'd be looking forward to it. And he did a concert at one of the local universities and just, you know, I wasn't really familiar with his music, but his whole persona and his personality on the instrument was just blew me away. His personality on the instrument, that's, yeah. that's a cute way of putting it because he sure has, has personality on his instrument. And, and, and we had a talk once about tunes, and, I mean, he'll play, it seems like, any old tune. He's told, telling me how much he liked Peg of My Heart. Mm-hmm. I, I never thought, but I've heard him play it, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, we could play. I would love to play this, this thing, Sunny Moon for Two. It's just a blues, I think. Could we right. do that? that? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. We'll see if I know it now. Thank you. 
it's funny, you just fell into um, playing two pianos. Do you do a lot of that? I, I, I haven't done much of it, and I love to do it. The few times I, I've had occasion to do it, it's, it's been a, a real pleasure for me. I, I did a couple of concerts with Ellis Marsalis last year down in New Orleans, and um, that was really the, the first time in a long time I've, I've done it. He's very good at that, too. We had him, I think we had him twice on piano jazz. And um, he's got some interesting t tunes of his own. And he's a very fine player, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's so understated, you almost forget until you actually get up on stage with him and have to play with him how good of a pianist he is. And uh, he, he does a funny thing. We, we, you know, we, we rehearsed, and I was kind of trying to pick his brain as we were rehearsing because I know he's done a lot of two piano playing. And, um, you know, he was real laid back. Whatever tunes you want, you know, let's, whatever tunes, let's play them. And we rehearsed. And then when we got on the concert, you know, right before we're about to start, he kind of looked at me with a twinkle in his eye and played totally different tunes. The couple of tunes that we did rehearse, he did them in different keys and everything. Oh, you know? <laughs> boy, that's mean. That's, that's mean. Well, I don't think, I don't even think he thought about it. I, I think, you know, he, he, was, he was excited about doing the concert and, you know, the rehearsal was, was okay for him, but he was ready to go once we got on the concert. I think he'd already put the rehearsal out of his mind. Yeah, you might have, <laughs> um, you might have been surprised. I tell you, who likes to do that kind of stuff is George Shearing. Um, he'll suddenly change key or, or play stride piano or something. Mm -hmm. I guess it all goes with the territory. You know, jazz is Im improvised music and... Um, and that's one way of improvising. If, if, if you can catch the other person off guard, I guess you win the game. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But that was, yeah, that was, I mean, I remember when I was playing with Betty Carter, she, I think she really thrived off that kind of a relationship with her trio. Oh, yeah. And, and the fact that, because I remember on that whole tour, she kept telling the three of us in the trio, she said, well, I'm older than all three of you combined, which she was. We were all 20 years old at the time. And 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 then the next statement would be something to the effect of, and I'm gonna, but I'm still gonna get you tonight once we get on the gig. You know, it was like a sporting event. Well, I'm too chicken to get into that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about, um, I don't know. I'd like to play something for you, just as a change of pace. Yeah, I would. I would love to hear that. Maybe uh, I don't know how you feel about doing one of your own compositions. That would. Well, be, I'd, love I'd to like hear that. to. And then this is a tune. I I guess I wrote it a while ago and. When I did it, I don't know why I was thinking about Errol Garner, and it's in a way it might sound like something he might do, um, but not in his styles. Anyway, I called it Errol. So here goes.
That was beautiful. I uh, I really enjoyed that. You're, it's always a great reminder to hear a pianist with such a, a beautiful tone that, that um, is a good reminder for me to concentrate on the most important thing about playing this instrument, and, and that is projecting beautiful tones. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. I'm very complimented. Well, there's more coming up. My guest is Peter Martin. Our program is made possible in part by the Baldwin Piano Company, manufacturers of the pianos heard on Piano Jazz. I'm Marion McPartland, and this is Piano Jazz from NPR. I guess you've um, recorded a few albums before this one that's become so popular. Right. I, I did uh, two recordings that were released uh, only in Japan. But, yeah, I, I did these records, and they were both trio, trio records with um, Brian Blade on drums and Chris Thomas Oh, I love Brian on Blade. Bass. What yeah. A, what a drummer. So then you decided to put together a group thing, the one you have out now with the... Or is that your regular band? Well, I mean, it's it, as regular as I can get people like Nicholas Payton and Reginald Veal. You know, it's hard to, to, to get them regularly. But um, they, I, I was really blessed in that the, the people that I had in mind as I was writing the music, you know, agreed and were available, available to do the recording. And I, the reason it's beyond just the trios because the, really the material dictated it. Because at first I was going to do a trio record. I'm a pianist, so I can feature myself. And as I was writing the music, I was hearing the horns in different ways. And um, maybe, like, maybe kind of like a Horace Silver. Not, not stylistically, but the way he, he was such a great pianist, but he seemed to always be writing his music. He would be hearing something beyond just the, the piano trio. Yeah, well, that's good because that, that's what makes it more interesting, I think, and more creative. Thank you. You know, I just was thinking maybe we could do some ballad as a duet. Um, what do you think would be good? Have you got any special tunes that well, you like? Well, I would love to do Lament. You um, mean JJ's tune? JJ's Lament, exactly. Oh, I love that tune. Right. And I mean, I've always been a uh, one of the first jazz records that I heard was J.J. Johnson and Stan Getz with Oscar Peterson Trio oh live at the Opera House. And um, I've always been a huge uh, J.J. fan. And when I heard, th when I heard this tune, I, it was actually, I guess, Miles I heard playing at first. It was just one of those most beautiful and haunting melodies I've, I've ever it heard. It is. It is. Well, let's, let's do a thing. Right. Maybe I'll start it out and then you come in and we'll sort of... Um, see where it goes. See, there's another rehearsal. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. 
It was nice. It was beautiful. Beautiful. I think that confirms what I've always felt about this tune in, in, in any great composition, that it almost plays itself because I, um, some of the voicings you were using at the beginning are some of the same ones uh, that I like to use. And I, I know I've never heard you play this tune before. So I, I, um, I, uh, I'm honored that I would play the same thing that you would without knowing it. Well, listen, <laughs> we, we both know where the good chords are. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, as you say, that tune sort of plays itself. And, and I guess I first heard J.J. himself played. I think I have the record at home. And then, of course, having him on the show and having him play that. You know, I was in my glory just sitting there playing, playing chords behind him. That, mm -hmm. Actually, that tune should be, should be in everybody's repertoire. I mean, there's certain tunes. There's like that one, and there's Lush Life. Absolutely. And there's Absolutely. two or three tunes that are sort of immortal. Right. Of course, think, thinking about tunes like Lament and, and um, Lush Life, then I start thinking of tunes by Jobim, not necessarily the, the uh, really popular ones, but he, I don't know, everything that man wrote was so fantastic. You probably know a lot of his tunes. I, I, I really love his music. Um, I, my entree to his compositions was actually through Joe Henderson. Oh really? Well, I mean, of course, I was familiar with some of Joe Beam's music, but I, I got the, when I was working with um, Joshua Redman, we did a number of concerts um, opposite Joe Henderson. Oh, so every fun. night, I was sitting there listening to him play, and he was playing with the Brazilian musicians doing the music of Joe Beam, and it was some of the most moving, incredible music um, I had ever heard. I mean, I still, I still have like kind of dreams about the way that he would play over that music, and I, it's, it's almost like I can't, I, if I hadn't have been there to hear it, I wouldn't have believed that that much music could kind of come out of somebody on such a consistent base. I mean, it was night after, it was for a couple of weeks, you know, hearing them every night. Just well, unbelievable. And been doing it for so many years. You were lucky to have that experience, so, and I think hear, doing that and hearing that, that probably makes you play any tune you would play by Jobim, better because of having heard that. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like just having heard a musician like that, I, I think about the fact that the amount of feeling that he would put into every phrase that he would play. And I guess, you know, if you were to ask him, he, he wouldn't agree with this, but it, it was almost like he would never play something that didn't have the utmost meaning to it. You know, and I had never seen that you know, in person before. I mean, I'm sure Louis Armstrong had that, for, I mean, from the records I've heard in different yeah, musicians. Yeah, well, he did. <laughs> he did. But um, of the people I had heard, I, I, he really, really blew me away. Well, what can you play by Chopin? Well, uh, the one that I loved hearing Joe play was uh, Triste. I, I oh, like to do play that. that. That's, a, that's a beautiful tune. All right. I'd like to hear what you do with it. <laughs> <laughs> 